This is the Hindu on Books, a weekly podcast from India's national newspaper on the latest and the best from the world of literature. Hello, this is the Hindus on Book podcast and I'm your host Shobhana K Nair. Today we bring to you an important chronicle of contemporary Indian politics. An education for Rita. a memoir by cpm politburo member brinda karat who has worked with the communist party for several decades now the autobiographies are often very unidimensional books concentrated just on the achievements of the author but this one is unique in many ways since it makes a sincere effort to record the stories and achievements of many of ms karat's fellow travelers welcome ma'am thank you so much shobhna for this opportunity to speak about the book now i have to before i dive headlong into the book i have to ask you a very basic question um we have so few political memoirs coming out somehow the indian political class feels absolutely reluctant to pen down their experiences that could be instructive for those who follow and for average readers like me provide an important window into the park corridors so i want to begin by asking you why you felt the need to bring out this book it's a book really about 10 years which is quite long ago and uh, this was during the emergency from 1975 to 85 and i felt that tales about the emergency often uh, brushed out or ignored the lives of workers and the way that the workers fought emergency when i say workers i'm talking about the working class and also just ordinary folk and often the emergency is just you know related by leaders and their experiences in jail which of course are very important but i felt the the importance of bringing in the history of workers and the working class movement in a city like delhi and my own engagement with it and my own experiences i thought um, may add something to the understanding of the emergency it was a very modest attempt actually because i just felt that the workers lives and their characters needed to be told very interesting ma'am um and i by the way i love the photographs that are part of this book because it's it, it's very rare <laughs> that you see those um coming out uh now i uh, <laughs> yes yeah, so, but i want to i want you to talk us through the title of the book we have all known you as brinda but you have spent a decade as rita now tell us about that decade and how you got that name it was during the emergencies i relate in the book and i was at a meeting of the party unit of the birla mill workers and we got a message there that you know i had rented rooms in calcutta i had shifted from calcutta to delhi while the emergency had already been declared and uh, i was told by um a comrade there at the meeting that you know we have a message that your rooms in calcutta have been broken into and searched 
So they may be looking for you, they may not be looking for you, but Comrade Surjit, you know, who was in Delhi at that time, he was also sort of semi-underground, and he sent a message saying that you should um, change your name just as a precaution. So then we had a discussion as to what my, and I like the name Sheila. So I said, okay, let me be called Sheila. And everybody said, no, 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 you can't do that. And I asked why, and they said, well, the leader of this unit, his wife's name is Sheila, and people will really get confused. And then uh, one of the workers said, I'm fed up with your name, Brinda. You know, <laughs> he's a worker from West UP. And he, he's, he always used to call me Barinda. Barinda. And I used to correct him and say, no, Chandabhan, mera naam Brinda hai. And he couldn't pronounce it. So then he said, I'm fed up with this. So I'm just, let's just call you with a name which we can all pronounce. And he renamed me Rita and said, that's the most easily pronounceable name. So, so that's it. That's why I was Rita for the next 10 years. How difficult was it getting used to a new name altogether? I think that was the least of the issues then. <laughs> I, I didn't really, because they were all new comrades anyway. So they didn't have to make much of an effort to change from calling me Brinda to Rita. I guess now it would certainly be a problem. But at that time, nobody knew me. So Rita was fine for them. And for me too, I, I, I didn't really mind at all. Um. It, you have the early chapters of your book where you talk about your personal life. Uh, for me, they were the most endearing ones. Um, you talk about um, you were 19 year old when you went to London. Uh, you were working with the Air India. You had a future with many possibilities open before you. And your father was working in the corporate world. You had a fairly comfortable life. Why did you decide to leave all of it for the rough and tumble of the communist movement. I really felt that I was so passionately moved by the realities which I faced when I, you know, started learning about things outside my narrow world, starting with the Vietnam War, trying to understand which are the forces which cause this kind of exploitation. As children, most of us brought up in liberal backgrounds, we are quite used to welfare measures and sympathy for the poor and, you know, giving doles or going out and distributing food on occasions or family functions, etc. But so that was all part of a liberal upbringing that most people, I think, would have had. But for me, that all seemed so false and such a fraud when I began to understand that there is something like exploitation and there are reasons and forces and systems which cause that exploitation, which cause that inequality. And once I went deeper and deeper into it, I just, I felt a passion for the movements for social change. And Quite frankly, when I look back, you know, these 53 or 54 years, I think what I chose was what has made my life fulfilling and happy, and I wouldn't have had it any other way. But of course, at that time, it was something that was driving me to change the way that I was living, the, the world that I was living in. I felt that 
what should I say? I just felt it was so superficial and artificial. Tell us and about I the... was not really understanding the world. Sorry. Yeah, tell us about the specific details about, you know, when you were in London and you write very beautifully about that period, uh, that the London of 60s. It was um, full of these yeah, I, rebellious ideas. You know, it was really the most um, incredible experience that I had at that time because, you know, as I said, it was something entirely new to me. And here was a city which was in ferment. Here was a city where every young person was challenging the status quo. Here was a city where you couldn't move without listening to some discussion, whether it was in the field of pop culture, whether it was um, questioning the establishment, whether it was the whole hippie movement. And through all that, the politics of it, of young people at the time, it really was question everything. And I don't think that you could really be young in London at the time and not be influenced by this wave of change and questioning and uh, anti-establishment movements of young people. And I believe it was very much triggered by the whole issue of the Vietnam War. Uh, Ma'am, um, one of the first protests, so to speak, was when you stood up against the Air India management in London. Tell me about that episode. I, I've read about quite it. Quite frankly, I know, but Shobna, quite frankly, I mean, it would be wrong on my part to try and project it as a kind of a thought-out protest. You know, it really wasn't. It was just a personal feeling I had that... I just felt it was so... I was not politically motivated to do something like that. Quite frankly, I, I just felt it was so crazy that you're working for an Indian airline and you have to wear a skirt. Of course, I had nothing against skirts huh. or, you know, wearing a uniform. But I just felt if I'm with Air... If I was with British Airways, sure, I would wear a skirt. If I'm with Air India, why should I wear a skirt? I could surely wear a sari. And this is what I asked people then. They just thought that this woman is completely nuts. Nobody has ever protested, I mean, raised this issue. And why are you raising it? Hmm. But everyone was in mini skirts at the time. You know, the shorter the skirt, the more yeah, fashionable the you were. 60s, after all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, anyway, so then, so that was an interesting thing because, in fact, I was quite um, alone in that because I didn't really get support from my colleagues at all. They were quite unionized, in fact, but they didn't think this was an issue at all because they were quite comfortable in whatever they were, you know, in their world. And then how did it go about? You wrote, uh, the, no, your manager. Well, I did, but you know, I had a wonderful manager there. Um, he was a Scotsman. I wish I could remember his surname, but I remember his bright, piercing blue eyes. And he sort of sympathized with me. He was a Scotsman. And I think he sympathized with this young woman who was so stubborn and raising a question which he'd never been asked before. So he said, okay, don't worry. I'll." He said, don't worry, lass. I'll just send it off to the headquarters and let's see what they say. And then sure enough, you know, I don't know if you've heard of this legendary figure in those days in Air India called Bobby Cooker. Yes. And he was a commercial director and it seems the letter went straight to him. 
because the response came right from him saying that, well, not only Brinda, but hmm. any other employee, regardless of her nationality, who would like to wear a sari should do so. Hmm. So that was that. It was quite yeah. interesting because all the British girls lined up to wear saris. They loved it once they wore it. Wow, that, that's something. Uh, so after three years stint in London, you return to India. You decide that this is it. I have to join um, the communist movement here. And you also describe how it, it wasn't a cakewalk. It wasn't as if you walked into the office and you were part of it. Even your class, your upbringing, everything came as an impediment. Uh, talk us through those early years. It really was, Shobna. It was very difficult for me to um, get in touch with the party. I haven't written all the details in this book because that would be a different chapter when I was not Rita. But yeah, it was very difficult. And when I finally did get in touch with the party, uh, you know, they were surprised. And they were there were some who were also quite suspicious as to how this, you know, upper middle class girl who has no contact with the political situation in Bengal should come in. And, and I understood that because the very reason I was so um, inspired by the Bengal party by the Bengal CPIM is because they were in this huge fight and there was such severe repression on the party at that time. And uh, it inspired me and particularly Comrade Jyoti Basu was, you know, I used to read about him sitting in my London Air India office, looking at old newspapers. And, you know, I just thought, well, look at this fighter. And he, he was so inspiring. And so was the party in Bengal. But yeah, it was difficult. I sometimes ask Bimanda if he remembers the time, you know, Biman Basu, he was a towering leader of the student movement at the time. And he was the first person I met. Fortunately, he was extremely sympathetic. And well, he really took me to meet Comrade Pramod Dasgupta, who was a legendary organizer of the communists in Bengal at one of the worst times that we've ever faced in Bengal's repressive regimes in different times. And it was, uh, I was, I was very, very nervous, very nervous. And Bibanda put me at ease and took me to meet PDG, as he was called. And after listening to me, Comrade Pramodda told me that, look, you seem to be quite determined, but you may just be wrong. Mm -hmm. So it's better that you go and join the university mm -hmm. and we will decide whether we want you and you can decide whether you want us. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I thought, oh, my God, after four years of being a working woman mm -hmm. to go back to university. But yes, I, I did it because I was so determined to, you know, join the movement in the party. I just obeyed what he said, literally. And I became a casual student. In those days, there was something like a casual student. So What's if you missed that? admission, yeah, it, it was a system in vogue at that time. Oh. So if you got permission and you had, you know, uh, the reasons why you missed the admission, you hmm. could enroll as a casual student and uh, attend all the lectures in the subjects in which you were admitted. So I chose history, oh. uh, MA history. 
And okay. so uh, I attended university, but my purpose really was to do an internship for the party. But at any moment uh, during that period, did you have second thoughts? Never. Not for a second, Shobna. Not for a second. It was, uh, I was with a group of young people who were so dedicated, so committed, and so ideologically motivated. We used to read the classics. We used to sit and discuss. And most importantly, um, in practice, we were, you know, at that time in Bengal, a comrade who went out to work uh, for the party, you really didn't know whether you were going to get back home or not. Oh. It was that tense. And particularly in colleges and campuses, uh, there was a great targeting of left-wing student organizations, particularly of the CPIM. So um, it was difficult, but it was a wonderful learning process for me in Bengal. And I and I really salute my comrades in that first branch and the people who were looking after it, responsible for it, for helping me to navigate those very stormy waters. I can tell you it wasn't easy. Yeah, I'm sure. And then, then you moved to Delhi, a new city, um, uh, and you start working as a trade unionist. And which is largely a woman's a man's world even i mean even today i think it's largely a man's world so i think today it's not i think you know women trade unionists and women themselves have come out unionizing so i don't think it's the same at all today as it was then how and difficult was it at that I, I was right from the beginning i was determined to work with the trade unions my idea of coming back inspired by Comrade Jyoti Basu's work with the railway workers in Bengal. I, from the beginning, I wanted to go to the heart of capitalist exploitation, the workers, and to experience working with them. I was never interested in doing any other work in the party, but it took a long time for me to convince the party. And when I came to Delhi, Comrade Surjit um, told me that I was going to be working, deployed in the textile he met me, he was semi-underground, and he met me at a secret place here in Delhi and um, told me that we have decided and you can work with the Textile Workers Union. And I think I remember that day, and it, it was a very, very happy day for me. I was waiting for that opportunity. So I just embraced all the experiences uh, that I had um, from the very moment I started in that small office in Kamla Nagar. And these experiences and it wasn't difficult. It wasn't difficult. Yeah, it wasn't difficult because the worker comrades were very, very accommodative and they were very keen to teach me the ropes. So there was no pushback, you're saying. There was no oh, what are you doing? No, there was never, never a pushback. Okay. Never. I mean, from during the emergency, there was never because we were working in circumstances where I was not among the mass of workers. It was huh. only after the emergency was lifted. Then, of course, from other unions, there were lots of comments and nastiness. But I think that had more to do with, you know, the 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 class struggle and the fact that we were representing a more militant form of uh, unionizing than the others. Hmm. But yes, at that time, I certainly faced it. I narrowly escaped uh, quite a vicious attack. 
you want to talk about that ma'am the wishes well um, uh, well it was wishes in the sense that of course it was also um you know it was strengthened the management's idea of targeting some of us not just me hmm. there were many some of us i just happened to be the only woman and therefore uh, i found myself much more vulnerable because hmm. uh, if you're a woman then there are so many ways you can be humiliated you know stripping and abuse sexist abuse and so on so it seems that um this was kind of a plan made by the management along with um some other unions including a breakaway section of our union and when i went to the gate that day we were organizing a strike the, all the lights went off mm. and you know a gang of people came to attack me mm. and later when i heard from a friend in the congress union there the, he told me that it was a management who had decided not the unions and they had got some people in various unions to lead this and um well i was literally <laughs> i was saved by a whisker by one of my comrades worker comrades ramesh who was with me and he just and we just ran through the lanes of kamla nagar and got to the dcm mill gate the strike they had already started so i spent the night at the gate and then later on when we went back to the birla mill gate our comrades found out what had happened hmm. well we had a meeting and they decided that we'll have to go back to the gate and address the workers so they wouldn't think that we were in any way intimidated or bullied by the management's tactics and that proved to be quite successful you know it is very interesting what you've just said uh, it people when they look at a senior politician woman politician they take all their struggles for granted mm, they yeah. believe that they just had a have come up the easy way uh, and you know there's an important chapter in your book um being a woman in the party and yes uh, a line a one one of the lines that really jumped out at me was um and i quote uh, i found that often my own identity as a communist as a woman as a whole timer of the party for so many decades was conflated with my being prakash's wife mam how difficult is it to you know to hold on to your own no, shubna, i don't yeah i mean i i have deliberately um you know explain that uh, and that experience because in living in a patriarchal society for a woman there are very few uh, you know protected species from patriarchy and i think women at wherever they are and um in any position in which you are going in as a woman from a patriarchal uh, social environment that definitely has an impact one outside the party among you know well wishers of the party then at the general level and also at sometimes in some sections within the party too because you know we fight patriarchy at every level now i can say i have not described all that in my book but i would say that you know 
being in a communist party for 53 years, I think I have had much less experience of this kind of patriarchal domination, which occurs in across the spectrum, particularly in public life, particularly, you know, public comments and nastiness and, you know, all the kind of comments we have to face. Hmm. So being in the party, we, you know, women as women, we have to a great extent been protected from that kind of a thing because of the environment in which we live and because of the, you know, uh, the identification of patriarchy within the party. But it isn't as if it doesn't exist. So, you know, when you're working and say, for example, we have, you know, we're having a heated discussion or a debate about something and then people don't look at you, some people as, you know, being independent or having your own independent mind and say, Are ye to hai because, you know, they're all part of this. So that is something which... If you have I a difference think, of opinion or something, that that's just blown out of proportion. I mean, I mean, not everyone and, hmm. and not the party because, you know, this was completely misinterpreted by a newspaper in Kerala and said that I was accusing the party of doing this. No, not at all. Hmm. I would not be in the party if this was the party. It's it's we as much the party as anybody else. Women and men, we are the party. We create the party. We create the environment in the party. So for somebody to try and separate us from the party, it's a false thing. It can never happen. But there are patriarchal trends not necessarily always, um, you know, voiced by men. It could also be voiced by women. Absolutely. But it's a patriarchal trend, you know. It's yeah. not men versus women. There are social trends which we come across um, yeah. in outside in the world and also where we, uh, you know, where, where our lives are lived in the party. So these are things which are there which we fight. And... Uh, the party leadership always has supported that and has supported the, you know, the independent identities. And we have identified uh, patriarchal trends in the parties being completely detrimental to the growth of communist morality and ethics. And when I say morality, I don't mean, I mean morality in a wider sense of equality. Huh. So these are things which women do face, Shobna, but... As I said, in my experience in the Communist Party, I can, looking at around us and the kind of, you know, strong patriarchy, I think we are very lucky, those of us who are in the communist movement, because we have had it, <laughs> I think, easier than others, much easier than others, because we are part of the process of change. Yeah. You know, another thing that I really want to flag um, about the book uh, is uh, when you write about the post-emergency period in Delhi and you specifically write about the birth and proliferation of women's group. And again, here I quote you, um, they may have had differences, you write about the women's group uh, among them, but what was common to them all was an undisguised contempt for the organized left whom they accused of subsuming gender to class. Ma'am, talk us yes. through, has this changed in the communist movement? Has this, or was this a wrong perception? Well, first of all, I'm talking about 
you know, I'm talking about the quote unquote autonomous groups who had this contempt for communist women saying that and communist movement saying that, you know, you don't understand gender, you only understand class. Hmm. It was their accusation against us, yes. which we never accepted. Hmm. But I think, you know, we never accepted that. But I do think that they, the groups and, you know, the trends in the women's movement also over all these decades have changed greatly. At that time, there was a straight ideological clash and it's uh, a fight between those who saw women's subordination only in relationship to a narrow paradigm of men versus women, and those of us on the left who situated it in a much wider socioeconomic context. So we never ever accepted that accusation which they made, a proposition uh, of their interpretation of what the left was. We never ever accepted that. And they looked at us with contempt and we fought that. And I think on on many, many occasions and on many, many areas, as I have written in my book, there were there were clashes in the sense of ideological clashes. But I think that's a very important part of our history and our legacy of women's movements in India. That's our strength, that we can fight on different issues, but we also unite. And because of our unity, we gain so much for Indian women in the in terms of legal frameworks, in terms of progressive ideologies. And we did that together. So although we had serious differences, I really respected, and I still do, all those women who were part of our united struggle in those days, the decades of the 80s and 90s. Mom, um, before I let go, uh, let you go, I really need to ask you, uh, whenever there is uh, any sort of public protest, um, be it uh, that of Manrega workers or uh, for pensioners, for any, uh, we see a lot of women, women who are associated with the left organizations. Uh, but one thing that the left critiques always point out, and I want your reaction on this, do you think there are enough women in the top decision-making bodies of the left parties? Or could we do with more? We could always do with more. There's absolutely no question about it. But if you ask me, I'm proud of the strides our party has made in making it a constitutional provision now to ensure adequate representation of women in the party. And we're starting off with strengthening our base. You know, right now, um, the, the women's membership in the party is so unequal all over India. And we are trying to at least make it 25% by the next party Congress, which is next year. And we are working hard for that because unless the base is strong, it's very difficult really to ensure from the grassroots level, you have adequate women in all levels of decision-making. There's been a big improvement in the central committee. Now we have two members, uh, two women members of the Politburo. Uh, which is also an improvement. I mean, from zero to two is in a body of 16 or 17 is 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 a big stride forward because we also have to take into account many other factors in a country as diverse as India. So in answer to your question, I say there is always, always room for many, many more 
extremely talented, committed, and dedicated militant women in our party um, at all levels of decision-making. And I hope we are going to intensify the, um, the struggle to ensure that happens at all levels of the party. Um, it was such an enriching conversation and uh, I hope everybody uh, goes and reads your book because I believe that it really provides us an important window, not just on what happened during the emergency and how the communist movement sort of um, engaged or, or, or confronted it rather. Thank you so much for being part of this. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for taking the trouble to read the book and to ask such insightful questions. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Hindu on Books. You can now find The Hindu's podcasts such as In Focus and Parley on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other major platforms. Write to us with comments and feedback at SOCMED4, S-O-C-M-E-D-4 at the rate thehindu.co.in. 